Guys, we are so excited to be back with you, kicking off a new series. And uh, so uh, before we get too crazy, we're going to go, actually, we're going to jump straight into a text before it gets too out of control. Uh, Romans 16, 20, because there it says, you go ahead and get your Bibles out. If you're watching online, uh, if you're in the room, go ahead and break them out. Romans 16, 20. We're actually going to spend more time in Philippians, I believe, but Romans 16, 20 says this, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, I want you to hear something today because this is special, all right? And I want you guys to grab a hold of this because we always know that God will crush Satan under his feet. Am I right? Like we have confidence that God will crush Satan under his own feet. As a matter of fact, we know that Jesus crushed Satan under his feet. He crushed the serpent. But the question that I have for you and what we're going for here is that Roman, Roman says that, that God will crush Satan under your feet, now, how many of you have ever felt like God would crush Satan under your feet? How many of y'all remember those times in your life where like you remember that like things were powerful, you were close to the Lord, you were ready to walk through hell with a squirt gun? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like Super Soaker 8000. Y'all know the back, y'all remember the backpack Super Soakers? Y'all remember, y'all know what I'm talking about? You put on the, like, we could just, like, we water gun fighting for days around here, you know? And so there's these elements of like God coming on the scene and he says that, you're going to crush, he, that Satan will be crushed under your feet. And, and what I want to talk to you about today is this idea of facts or feelings. Because there are times when we are ready to go to war with the enemy. Can I get an amen on that? Like there are times when we are ready to take it to the enemy. And then there are times when we are not. There are times that we feel like we need to cower away. And there are times where we got to trust the facts. And then there are times where we get caught trusting our feelings. And so before we get too crazy, I want to greet everybody today. All my watch parties, all you guys that watch parties. Let's give it up for all those that watch parties today. Man, we're so pumped that you're with us. And uh, before it gets buck wild, I know we want to give it up for our studio live audience that's right here in the church with us. Come on, I know you can do better than that. Let's let everybody, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And so we want to talk about this facts or feelings because how many of you guys have ever said the phrase, I don't feel like blank? Anybody ever been there before? Anybody? You knew the right thing to do, but I don't feel like. I know I need to read my Bible today. I know I need to grow closer to the Lord, but I don't feel like. I know that, man, I need to be closer. I, need, I know that I need to build a relationship with God, but I don't feel like. And, and we fall into this place of feelings, right? And, and so many people have come up to us in recent years and been like, man, how did you do it? You know, like our family's been through a lot. The last few years, our family's been through it. You guys know the story. We've, we've gone through tons, man. And people have come up to us and they've been like, man, you guys, have, your family's just been through so much hell. And I, what I want to tell them is you have no idea. Because a lot of people think that the hell started, I don't know, five years ago, seven years ago. But I just wanted to take you on a little journey of some of the things that happened. I remember our family moved to Kentucky. My, my dad was a, an associate pastor at a church um, and there were some good people there, but there were some religious Pharisees up in that bad boy, too. I remember being in Kentucky and uh, uh, hearing the stories of my sister going to school. 
and having to be walked from class to class by, by security guards and police officers because our family was under death threats because of what my dad as a pastor was doing in the community. I remember uh, in Cincinnati where <laughs> Pastor Dan uh, planted a church uh, next to a liquor store. Because why else would you, like, where else would you put it? Matter of fact, the church had the liquor store in the lobby. Now, I'm going to let that sink in for you. Like, our church had a liquor store in the lobby. Hold on, y'all, you know, y'all aren't, y'all, y'all, y'all ain't getting this. In the lobby, people were buying fists. Like, what's all that music in there? Like, that's church, man, come on in. I remember uh, someone came in with a bottle one time. They said, uh, they came up to Pastor Dan and they said, hey, uh, this guy's got his alcohol with him in church. What do we do about this? He said, leave it alone. If you take it from him, you're stealing. All right. <laughs> and so this is, that's what we're talking about. So I remember being in Cincinnati. I remember we moved to Pensacola. Pastor Dan took over a church full of doctors and lawyers that wanted good church but didn't want the good news. I remember being in Pensacola where watch a bunch of religious crowd try to destroy the gospel work that God was accomplishing through a powerful man. I remember watching that. That was, I remember watching uh, our church grow as a multiracial church because when he, we came here, it was just white in that church. But by the time we had been there a couple of years, he had, it was multiracial, multigenerational. There was everybody up in that boy, bad boy. Like it, was, it was crazy. I remember watching that. I remember hearing my dad talk about the fact that our family was under death threats from the KKK and NAACP extremists. You know how bad you got to be to be hated by both? <laughs> like I remember this growing up. Not too long after that, my grandfather passes away from a brain disease. Not too long after that, my uncle passes away from a brain disease. Not too long after that, my knucklehead brother gets in a motorcycle accident. And in all seriousness, was considered dead by every medical professional that existed. In a coma for days, we lived the next years of our lives back and forth between here and Atlanta. But you have no idea. I remember, right, uh, my mother-in-law after that passes away from cancer, after the Lord had brought her in and out of remission a few times, and then she passed away of cancer while my wife was eight months pregnant with our son, who then is born, and then 18 months after he's born is diagnosed with a brain disease. And in the midst of all of that, four months after I became the pastor, of this church, we found out that our 500-member church is getting kicked out of the building we were in with nowhere to go. Man, and then after that, as if that weren't enough, Jabin goes home to be with the Lord. My son goes home to be with the Lord on May 18th, 2018. See, people think that the last few years of our journey have been tough. I'm here to tell you the whole journey has been tough. And there are moments in those types of seasons where people come to us and they go, how do you keep going? Like, how do you have it in you to keep going? Don't you feel like quitting? And let me ask you a question. Where you are in life right now, what you're going through in life right now, wherever you may be at, don't you sometimes feel like quitting? Like, doesn't it sometimes get you like, I've had enough. Those of you that are watching online, don't you sometimes feel like quitting? Like, don't you sometimes feel like giving up? And I'll never forget this changed my life. Pastor Scott Thomas put a quote up on Instagram. And this is what he said. 
I quit listening to my feelings a long time ago. He said, I didn't feel like doing this, but I quit listening to my feelings a long time ago. David Goggins, who is a Navy SEAL, the only person in the U.S. Armed Forces to go through SEAL, uh, SEAL training, uh, Army Ranger training, and one of the tactical air units for the Air Force's training. He went through all of those. And he mentioned a quote that is known in the Navy SEAL circles that says, we don't rise to the level of our expectations, we fall to the level of our training. He says, there is perhaps no arena in life which this is more true than when it comes to how we've trained our minds. So I want to ask you again, have you ever felt like quitting? Like, have you ever been in that place where you're like, enough is enough? And I'm here to tell you today that I'm not here to talk to your feelings. For those of you that are watching online, I'm not here to talk to your feelings. I'm here to talk about the facts. I'm here to talk about the fact that God is greater than, bigger than, and he's more impressed with how he's going to move in a glorious way in your life. He has set out on a mission to do something amazing with your life. And I'm here to tell you something, your struggle that you've been going through, the hard times you've been coming through, everything that's popped up in your life that's made me say, I don't feel like it anymore. I don't feel like we can keep going. I don't feel like I can continue. I don't feel like God is going to keep me and take me through this. I'm here to tell you, we quit listening to our feelings and we start leaning into the fact that God says, I am the head and not the tail. I am blessed. I am favored. I am a chosen priesthood, a royal nation, one given to God. I'm here to tell you today, we're not going to pay attention to our feelings. We're going to look at the facts. So I want you to say facts over feelings. Facts over feelings. Some of you are at home right now and you didn't repeat it with me. I want you to say it one more time. Facts over feelings. Let's go to Philippians 4, guys. We're going to spend some time there. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. And as you're turning there, we're going to talk about this idea that we don't follow our feelings. We don't follow our feelings. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. You feel like there was a reason why he needed to say it twice? Anybody ever had a day where you didn't feel like rejoicing? He said, rejoice. Again, I say Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Notice how he didn't say, let your opinion be evident to all. Let what you feel be evident to all. Let the fact that you don't agree with what you see on TV and social media be evident to all. No, no, no. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So notice what he's telling us should be evident. Gentleness should be evident. And if we're going to go to God, he says, do not be anxious about everything, about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Here's the thing that you need to understand when we're talking about facts and feelings. Your first response to anything is always full of you, not God. I'm going to say that again. Your first response to anything is never the right response. Can I get an amen on that? How many of y'all ever wild out on your kids one time because they were acting crazy? And you, you had to go back and clean up the emotional mess you might have created, right? How many of you ever remember, for those of you that have kids, you were like, man, I'm never going to do that because my parent did it. And then one day you woke up, found yourself doing that. 
Now, we joke about it with kids, but how many of us know in the real world, when we face real examples of what is going on, it's rarely us. I'm sorry, it's rarely God that shows up. It's always us that shows up, isn't it? Like, how many of y'all ever had somebody just go crazy at work? You're like, oh, you're going to get it. Anybody ever get, like, just... Like you, you start going in your head like, oh, we think like, and we're gonna torch the field today. Anybody ever been there? Just three of us, only over here. You guys? Anybody? No. Okay. All right. I was making sure we're on the same page. I know some of y'all watching. Y'all with me, right? Like, anybody ever been like, oh, today is the day we burn it down, (laughs) right? Go ahead and call the fire department. We're setting a match to this bad. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Stay quiet. But has, we've all been there, right? And so the reality is our first response to anything is always full of us, not God. We go to 2 Corinthians 10, 34. You don't have to turn there, but it's here on your screen. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So what's happening here in 2 Corinthians, he says, listen, we don't fight the way humans fight. He says the weapons of our warfare, some of you guys have heard it this way, the weapons of our warfare, they're not of the flesh, they're not of the world, but they're mighty in God for pulling down the strongholds, right? We go to God and as we go to God, he's faithful to come to us and meet us where we are to carry us through situations. But if it's me responding to the situation, it's usually going to go bad. Because I don't know y'all, God ain't done with me yet. Oh, some of y'all are good. Some of y'all don't need no more sanctification. Y'all, y'all arrived? I said, how many of God's not finished with me yet. But what I have to do, when things come up, my feelings want to go to how I want to respond. But I've got to lean into who God is and how he tells me to respond. So we don't use Facebook logic. Oh, I'm going to look real close to this camera right here. They're going to zoom in on me. They're going to get in focus. I just want to talk to you for a second. We don't use Facebook logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want you to grab a hold of this. We don't use Instagram and social media logic. We don't argue with people on social media to try to get them to think that we think. We don't try to get them to convert to our mindset. Our job is not to make people think the way we think in the world because the ways of this world is sinful death. It is unrighteous. It is ambitious and it's not of God. What we need to do is take a step back and say, you know what? I need to start thinking more like God. And before I try to get somebody to think like me, how about we both make it a mission to start thinking like God? But the reality is too many of us are in our feelings and we're not trying to get people to be holy or righteous or God. Godly, we're just trying to get them to be like us. And so we have to pay attention to what we're supposed to be doing. Go back to Philippians 4, and it says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the key thing. If, you're on, if you got your notes, if you got your Bible, if you got a pen, I want you to circle the word and. I want you to circle the word and, underline the word and, whatever you need to do, highlight the word and, because this is, this is what I want you to grab a hold of. You see, sometimes we go straight to this scripture, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. But the and is the contingency showing us that the things in the verses before that is what gets us there. So let's read it in context, shall we? So if we want the peace of God which transcends all understanding that will guard our hearts and minds in Christ, What we have to do is rejoice in the Lord always. 
You see, we want the peace, but we don't want to rejoice in the Lord. We want to rejoice in ourselves. We don't want to rejoice in the Lord, but we want the peace that comes from the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. We don't want to be gentle. We want to be uh, abrasive and aggressive, and we want to show everybody what we have to say. No, 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 no. He says, be gentle and let it be evident to all the Lord. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your your request to God. And when you do that, and then... The peace of God, which transcends our understanding, will guard our hearts and mind. You see, some of us aren't praying. We're not gentle. We're not rejoicing. You know what that means? That means we live a lifestyle after God. That means that we show Jesus all day, every day. That means we're rejoicing all day, every day. That means we're gentle when we meet conflict, right? That means that we are going with prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, we're going to the Lord constantly. And because we're doing that, he'll guard our hearts and minds with peace. But we want the peace without the other part. And so what we have to see is what God is showing us. So it keeps on going. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, I want you to think about those things. Now, why would he point that out if there wasn't an obvious understanding that there was going to be plenty to distract us from those things? You see, when we're talking about facts and feelings, our feelings aren't always going to look at what is true. Our feelings aren't always going to look at what is noble. Our feelings aren't always going to look at what is right. Our feelings aren't always going to look at what is pure. But you know what? Even when we don't feel those things, we have to lean into those things because it's about facts over our feelings. How do you push through that season? You push through that season when you lean into who God is, not who the circumstances are telling you God is. Finding peace isn't about changing your feeling. It's about looking at the facts. I'm going to say it again. Finding peace is not about your feelings. So there are seasons where you have to lean into peace even though you don't feel it yet. Philippians 4, 4 4-9 says, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You see, we've got to practice what we've learned before we can have peace. That means we've got to put this into practice then we get peace. We don't get peace, and then now that I got peace, I'll put some of this into practice. No, no, no. He says you do that. Your feelings follow your logic, and your logic makes room, no room. Sorry, that was hard. Your feelings follow your logic, and your logic makes no room for the supernatural. I want you to grab a hold of this for a second because some of us are living in this place. We are living in the temporary world, trusting the temporary world for supernatural resources. We are trusting the world to be our provider. We are trusting the world to be our healer. We're trusting the world to give us joy. We're trusting the world to give us hope. We're looking for doctors to take care of us. We're looking for, we're looking for the things of this world. And here, I'm, I want you to grab a hold of what I'm telling you. Feelings follow your logic. And I don't know about you, but some of the things that God has done in my life were illogical. 
The supernatural breakthroughs that God brought into my life when he did these things and did those things, they weren't logical. And if I was living in my feelings, I would have never been able to see where they were coming from. But when I leaned into who God was, regardless of what the circumstances said, when I leaned into God was, regardless of how I felt, when I leaned into who God was, no matter what was going on in the world around me, I was able to see God come through in things that were illogical. They didn't make sense, but God was faithful to show up in my world, in my circumstances, in my situations and show me that it doesn't matter what my feelings are, the facts tell me who God is. And my circumstances don't have to be dictated by that. So we go back to that story, the stories that I told you when we first talked about it, when we were in Kentucky and we were in Cincinnati and all that. And to give you a glimpse of what I'm talking about, in Kentucky, we were at this church full of uh, religious, what I would call Pharisees. Pastor Dan may not agree. He was the one on pastor, but this is the way I agree with it, but it is what it is. So the religious Pharisees, but you know what? When Pastor Dan was there, he was bringing the gospel. He was bringing it alive. And I remember him telling the story about how he walked into a board meeting and they said, we're not going to pick up these kids. We're going to pick up these kids because we can't afford to buy the bus for these kids. And so it makes more sense to put our finances over on these kids. He says, one of the rings on your fingers will buy both buses. We're going to buy two buses. We're going to pick up all the kids. You want to know why? Somebody was willing to speak facts, even though people were following worldly feelings. In, K- in Kentucky, my sister walked to class with the death threats and she had police officers following and escorting and doing all of those things. But the curriculum in that state was rewritten so that they could take out the elements of worldliness and introduce truth to the kids. They rewrote secular curriculum in the public school system in that time so that they could continue to see godliness brought into those schools. Y'all know how big of a deal that is right now because we're dealing with it, right? I remember in Cincinnati, we had the church next to the liquor store, but I remember uh, somebody tried to set fire to the church. So they uh, tried to burn the church down. And guess what happened? Pastor Dan shows up ready to clean the church because it was all, there was smit and all that uh, smoke, smite, smoke. What is that word? Smut, smoot. I heard four words. All y'all wrong. Okay. (laughs) There was stuff all over the building and he showed up to clean it. And guess who comes walking down the street with buckets and cleaning supplies you guess what? It wasn't church people. It was the homeless community. It was those who were hooked on drugs and they were still drunk from the night before climbing ladders to clean out the building and say, no, 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 Pastor Dan, you go home. We got this. You took care of our families. You took care of our communities and we're going to take care of this. You see, the supernatural shows up. God shows up when it's illogical for us. I remember being at the church here in Pensacola, the church full of doctors and lawyers that wanted a good church but didn't want the good news. But then one of them had a heart conversion. And as he was being introduced to these children, some of them were low income, some of them were poor. And we, so we threw this big Christmas deal where we said, you know what, we're going to give Christmas presents to 500 kids. 500 kids. Say 500. I want to make sure everybody heard me right. Say 500. All right, we're good. 500 kids, right? An hour before the doors opened, there were 1,500 kids lined up outside. What do you do with that? You got to send a thousand of them home. Am I right? Because like we don't have that kind of money. So it is what it is, right? One of the men from the church that had already come to him and said, Pastor Dan, you changed how I feel about people. He gives him a credit card. He says, I want you to go to the store. I want you to pick up however many toys that we need. Every kid that gets in line today is getting a toy and they're going to hear about the love of Jesus. Why? Because the supernatural shows up when you're living in who God is and not who we feel like God is. When we come to the church in Pensacola, and our families are serving the Lord. It's, it didn't seem logical, right? 
But through how God molded that, we see families from 30 years ago still serving the Lord today. We see our family serving the Lord today, the kids of my father serving the Lord today. We see so many aspects of it. My grandfather and my uncle passing away from their brain disease. The confusion that sets into our mind, why? Because we're, there are seasons when we live in our feelings and after that, what happens? My brother goes and gets in a motorcycle wreck. Knucklehead. He's dead on the bed when they put him in the ambulance. In a coma for weeks. The doctor says, you're going to have to turn him off. We're going to let you let him stay hooked up to the machines through Christmas. But after Christmas, you're going to have to turn him off. And you're going to have to say goodbye. They brought us the organ donor papers. I'll never forget my dad looked at that doctor. He said, we're taking my son home. And he said, Pastor Dan, he didn't say Pastor Dan, he said, Dan, your son is dead, period. The next day, the doctor walked into the room. He was walking past my brother's room. And he said, I don't know what it was, but something told me to just go in there and check on him. So I went in there and checked on him looked exactly the same so I walked over to him and I pinched him on the chest and my brother who was in a coma reached up and grabbed the doctor's hand he hurried out he called my dad he said listen forget everything I told you yesterday I don't know what's going on with him but something has changed between yesterday and today and I'm here to tell you today it wasn't because we felt different it was because God came on the scene and God made things different it's not about how you feel it's not about leaning into that it's about trusting the fact that God says I am the healer I will bring healing every every other physician may be practicing but when I'm on the scene I can bring healing supernatural visitation from God So we can see time after time after time, God comes on the scene and he changes everything. So how do you keep going? Don't you feel like quitting? I'm here to tell you, absolutely I do. There are moments where we feel like quitting. Don't stop. I don't know what happened. Keep that music going. That was good. I was, we were there. I was with you. Here's what I want you to understand today. You may say, but... Or 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, hear me today, my power is made perfect in your weakness. You say, pastor, I just feel tired. I just feel like I can't go anymore, Brad. I'm just done. I don't feel like I can keep, I can't keep going. I, I feel weak. I feel empty. Perfect. Because his power is made perfect in your weakness. I want, you to, I want you to let that get into your soul this morning, here on Sunday, Thursday for everybody else. I want you to let this get into your soul. His power is made perfect in your weakness. God is not looking for you to be strong. He's waiting for you to acknowledge that I got no strength left and he shows up on the scene. He's not looking for you to say, I got this, God, I'm good. I know how to handle all this. No, 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 no. He's saying, I'm waiting for you to tell me I can't keep going, God. He says, perfect. Now when I do it for you, now when I come through, now when I show the world who I am, you're not gonna get glory for it. You're not, the situation's not gonna get glory for it. When I come on the scene now, I'm gonna get glory for it. When God shows up, he shows us who he is. Just because something is a fact doesn't make it the truth though. 
I want you to grab a hold of this. Lean in for a second. We're almost done. Some of you say, yeah, but Pastor Brad, I am tired. Yeah, but I do have this situation. Yeah, but I am struggling with this addiction. Yeah, but I do have this problem. And it's the truth. It's a fact. It's not just that I feel this. It's a fact. This is absolutely here. But I'm here to tell you, just because something is a fact doesn't make it the truth. You say, what do you mean by that? Just because you're dealing with something, just because you're struggling with it, just because it's shown up, it doesn't mean that it has to be the truth for you. It may be a fact today, but it doesn't mean it's the truth for you. You may be struggling with it today, but it doesn't mean it's the truth for you tomorrow. I'm here to tell you that the fact is you may have a doctor's report, but the truth is Philippians 4.19 says, and my God shall supply every need according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. The fact is though, Brad, I lost my job. Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. You say, say, the fact is my bank account is empty. I was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor the seed out begging for bread. You may tell me that uh, the fact is I'm lost and alone, but Hebrews 13, five says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You may say, the fact is I can't keep going like this, but Isaiah says, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. When God comes on the scene, you may not feel like anything changed, but the fact is when he's there, everything changed. When God shows up, everything changed. It's the illogical paradox of looking at what seems impossible, but believing that he'll make the impossible possible. It's the illogical paradox at looking at the impossible, but believing that God will make the impossible possible. I wanna talk to you some of today. Some of you may be in this room. Maybe you're on camera. watching us at a watch party, you're watching us online. What is it you're needing to believe God for today that seems impossible? Because our God makes the impossible possible. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, but grab this, with the evidence of things not yet seen. It's only impossible because you can't see where it's coming from. But I'm here to tell you today that God has a way of starting things in the process. He has a way of generating things when it feels like there's no way he could come through. He has a way of starting things in heaven and then all of a sudden it comes alive on earth. I'm here to tell you today, the facts may look grim. The facts may not look like things are good. Your feelings may feel that way. You may feel like things aren't good, but I'm here to tell you today, the truth is God says that I am here and I wanna take you back to that scripture. He says, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen seen the righteous and forsaken, nor his seed out begging for bread. Wherever you are right now, God's got you. And he's ready to take care of you. I want to pray for you today. God, we just pray that where we are, Lord, that we would find ourselves enamored, find ourselves completely in awe of who you are. Father, that you would show us that it may not be 
about our feelings. It's about the fact that you're present. So God, that we wouldn't follow our feelings, that we wouldn't follow the things that make, I may not feel like you're close or any of those things, but God, that we would find ourselves pressed on the fact that you are near, that you are with us, that you are here, that you are carrying us, that you are faithful, that you are the truth, that you will come through because God, you've got us. God, you're here. God, you're with us. And so Lord, we come to you and say, God, when there's been moments where we didn't feel like we could get going, God, I pray that you bring supernatural strength into our lives. Continue to carry us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. For those of you that are watching right now, the other illogical paradox, the other thing that seems like it shouldn't be, but it is, is that Jesus came on the scene for all of us who were imperfect so that he could make us perfect. And today, if you're watching us and you are far from God, Today, if you're watching us and you know that the sin in your life is keeping you away from the Lord, you feel like you can't come to him, you feel like you're far from him, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus went to the cross and died for your sins, my sins, so that today you could put your faith in him and today you could trust him. And today, if you want to know him, today, if you want to be close to him, today, if you want your sins to be washed away and a fresh start, I'm here to tell you that he is here and he's ready to meet you right where you're at. Today, if that's you, you want Jesus to give you a fresh start. The Bible says that all we have to do is repent of our sins. That means we turn away. That's not who I am anymore and we pursue after God. But he says that we put our faith in him, that when Jesus went to the cross, he paid for our sins. And today, if you want that, today, if you want that forgiveness, you want that fresh start, I wanna pray with you. And this prayer doesn't make you saved. Your faith alone makes you saved, but this prayer puts words to the actions of your heart that says, God, I'm gonna follow you. I'm believing in you, Jesus, that you've paid for my sins. So I wanna invite you to pray this prayer after me and everyone here on stage and everyone at a watch party is gonna repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. So I give you my life. Make me a new creation. Wipe away my past. I want to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.